We have to go to the ch There you go. <laughs> there we it's go. I feel like I need to redo that all over again, but that's okay. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Emily. And we're here today with our friend Sean Crawford. And if you are familiar with Sinusoid, which is a local company to us in the Pacific Northwest, Sean is one of their, their employees. Hello, everybody. How are y'all doing today? Well, you know, I think just about as well as, as a person can do right now. <laughs> Who's ready for outside to be Leo again? Oh, I'm real. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. Oh, nice. That's fancy. Yes. Uh, I, I really, my, my barber, my, my, he, his name is George and he's just like this, this rocker guy and uh, he just had a baby and then all this happened. And it's just like him renting a chair at a studio in, in Greenwood, in my neighborhood. So I've been really itching to be able to support him again. Your barber would be named George. George. He's the, it's, it's, Rick and I both love him a lot. My husband and I both love him a lot. And we've joked about who would get him in the divorce. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I, you know, I'm not really ready to go outside at this point because I'm pretty sure I just butchered that intro riff. And... You know, it's better than where I was about a week ago. So fun little story, super quick here. Uh, huge thank you to the super secret patron messenger chat on Facebook. Uh, Y'all know who you are. You guys are all awesome. Uh, I, ad- are. I admitted, maybe I shouldn't have, but I, I, at least I was being honest, is I admitted that I'd forgotten how to play the intro riff for the podcast because I haven't recorded... We have, you haven't played it since like the Mount Hood in February. Last year, February. Yeah, so like. Oh yeah, last year February. Yeah, so it's been like well over a year since I played the riff, and before, and that was I. That was before the time before I played it. Um, before that time was probably about two years ago now. Uh, no, it was um, in June or July. So whenever we went to see Rick Matthews, we recorded us both doing it and never did anything with that footage. Yeah. Two years ago, <laughs> it's June of two years later. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Is I, it not like 2021 yet? Because this week has been like one of the longer weeks of my life. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, so I forgot that I, uh, I completely forgot how to play the riff, and it, it became a topic of conversation. And Jason was kind enough to wiser or fuzzmonger. Wiser. Jason nice. Weiser was an absolute doll and learned how to do it, put it to sheet music and send it out for everybody. Uh, of course, I didn't read the sheet music because I'm a guitar player. Oh, is that why he was asking Noah what uh, clef yes, cello used? Class. Oh, see, so, I yeah did, did not miss Just a little bit of that. brief drama in uh, a sneak peek into the, the drama that we have in that chat on a regular basis. It's the most dramatic thing in the world. It's just it, embarrassing. It's, <laughs> it, embarrassing. It's endearing. I love it. No, I'm uh, kidding. I love I love our super secret chat. No, no, no. We, we all just heard you. There's no taking that back. No. So uh, if you're out of the loop, we have a, a Patreon, patreon.com slash get offset. And uh, for as little do- as a dollar a month, you can support us. Um, and then if you want to spend a little bit more, I think it's the $10 level. Uh, and we have to add uh, the wonderful Damian Martinez. Uh, he just subscribed at the $10 level yesterday. 
But uh, awesome. you get access to a super secret group chat we have. And it's just talking about guitars and cats and whatever we, we want to talk about as good people. Um, I also post demos and things early there. You get to have a lot more input on what we talk about on the show, what we do with the show, what Andrew does with his pedal toppers. You get to tell me stup- that I'm stupid directly to my face? Yeah. Yeah. That's about, that's about as direct as it gets these days. I, w- I mean, I don't know about you, but I would pay good money to tell myself that I'm stupid every month. So You don't do that in the in the mirror every morning? Because I do. No, no, no. Free advice is, isn't worth anything. I, I joke that I want to start a podcast with my friend Michelle called What Happened. And the tagline is where we try to answer the question you ask yourself in the mirror every morning. And it'll be people mm-hmm. talking about like the the small and, and and big things that happen in their life that aren't necessarily regrets, but kind of like explain how they got where they are. I applaud you for looking at the mirror in the morning. I, for one, cannot bring myself to do that. It's too frightening. <laughs> Okay, are you a vampire? No, but, you know, I can't be the only one that wakes up in the morning super groggy, just going, nah, I can't do it. And you just know Aww. that you look like like your hair's all over the place, and your beard is all lopsided, and your your breath stinks, and you just, the last thing you want to do is just walk up to the mirror and be like, oh, what's up, dude? See, I love that. I look in the mirror at my bedhead. I'm like, I look cute and funny. <laughs> It took me a long time to get here. <laughs> Anyways, completely Sean. off topic. Yes, we haven't talked to Sean in a few minutes. <laughs> Sean's just sitting here like, uh-huh. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. All right. It's just to be like that episode of, once the Gear Slum, they did this thing where they introduced themselves and then Dan Dolan said, I'm Dan. And then Andy from Science and said, I'm Andy. And then they weren't in the rest of the episode at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's not what we're going to do here. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Hey. So, hi, Sean. Uh, I, hi, Sean. Sean. Say something. Uh, oomst. Oomst. Hey, Sean, do you remember how we met? Uh, I feel a little ashamed because <laughs> I, a part of it was kind of like, you know, I got here about a year and a half ago, and the first thing I did was like, okay, who do I need to know? Why do I need to know them? And you know just trying to meet all the people i can and uh be friends and you know just try and create a nice little network for myself um mm-hmm. i heard about you guys at the shop um anthony was talking about y'all and oh like cool ropes. yeah and i remember just looking up the um instagram and thinking oh this is nice is that a black cat his name is princess <laughs> carrie fisher I'm in. Yeah. Sold. Sold. <laughs> Sold. But that's not how we met. No, um, I loosely f- remember how we met. It was probably very awkward on my end, and I apologize. <laughs> no, uh, it was great. I was confused. I, I So we met at the guitar store on Aurora, which, you know, soon, rest in peace, I, I suppose. Um, during one of their... I forget if it, I think it was the one with Juan and um, Nick from. Yeah, we got from Pedals and Effects, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And what's funny is I, the only places I, in, I've been recognized, and I've been recognized as being part of the podcast a few times, 
The only times where people have actually recognized me and introduced themselves is at the guitar store. Uh, every other time, like, there was a guitar shop in Nashville, East Nashville, and after I told them, like, oh, I'm Emily from Get Offset, then they, they'd listen to the podcast, which was really cool. But the guitar store is the only place where people would come up to me and be like, oh, I was just watching your video this morning. Well, I remember um, the first thing I realized was, like, I saw the tank top, and then I was like, oh, snap. And then I, immediately I was kind of like, you need to relax because <laughs> you don't – like, I get really excitable. I love meeting people, like, um, especially if they're people that, like, I've seen and they seem like cool people from a distance. And sometimes I just turn into the freaking – fifth grader i was whenever i met like uh sean bradley and i was like oh my god i love this guy <laughs> but uh no yeah. it, it was it was nice uh meeting there in that environment because it was very um I don't, I don't i don't know how to put it to be completely honest it was very comforting like you, yeah. usually whenever i pull up on people that are musicians or people that i'm being told like oh yeah you need to go meet this person there's an era of I'm not really here for that. Don't really come my way. <laughs> like, you know when not to approach somebody, but um, I don't oh, know. Yeah. You're kind of giving off. It was very friendly, and I had a, you know, we had a pretty good conversation. I love meeting people. Very rarely would I be like, leave me the hell alone. Like, I'd have to be, like, in the middle of, like, an argument with somebody else to, to tell somebody, like, get away from me. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> It'd also be really rare for someone to pull up on you during a argument too yeah there was one time at a show like i was setting up and someone really really wanted to talk to me about my tuna tone and i just kind of be like hey find me after my set because i'm just trying to figure out a sound like i was having an argument with the sound guy (laughs) about monitoring those are fun wait is this the guy that was like oh hey get your whole amp set up i got a di that kills oh we did not do that gig Oh, okay, okay. I mean, that's co- fired. <laughs> it's partially because COVID nineteen happened, but I was not going to allow us to go unmonitored and direct. That's just insane. So, uh, for the listeners at home, there was a, our, our band was going to be booked for a show, and the sound guy was reaching out to us via a third party, and he really wanted us to use um, the direct for uh the guitar sound so i'm like oh yeah that's fine but what's the monitoring situation going to be like and they're like none they're like well then no who does that it's bad bad enough every once in a while you play a show where they like they don't monitor the vocals diy gigs yeah sure cool but uh i i can't how's the how's the drummer gonna function not being able to hear anybody else uh well because the drummer is what everybody else should be listening to come on I mean, as a drummer, do you not listen to the other people in the band? Uh, when I'm playing drums, I got in-ears. Usually it's just bass and the vocals. Well, the bass would not have been audible either, and neither would the vocals have been. And if I knew the songs well enough, honestly, throw me in a pocket, absolute most. Maybe I throw a metronome into one of my ears. And I will say, I kind of run with it. we also have songs where just the bassist starts. Or just I start and then trying to get the drummer to, to come in after other people seems literally impossible. This is where Years of Marching Band comes in really handy. <laughs> Thank you. I was <laughs> about to go there. I was my sophomore year of college, undergrad, undergrad. I was captain of the symbol team. 
Ooh, on my drumline at my university. Fun fact. Big ups to all of our drumline folk out there. That is a hard hustle. My shoulder has literally never recovered. I can still make my right shoulder pop and crackle from swinging around 20-inch cymbals in all kinds of directions and twirls and spins. And, oh, and it's out of my out of my socket. Whoops. Oh, you, you should hear my left shoulder. It's pretty amazing. And that's just from playing guitar. I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> I, my nickname for my body is Snap, Crackle, and Pop. That's not that's a joke. It's real. Whole... It's true. That's just be a whole podcast, just all of our bones cracking. <laughs> oh. That right there is the entirety of the show. We can all go home now. As, would that be the different, the, like the opposite of AM, AS, AM, AMSR, ASMR? ASMR, and that is a very valid therapeutic art form. Thank you very right, much. Right, but would would just like crack, like listening to someone else's bones crack kind of be the opposite of that? Because that sounds like the opposite of soothing. No, it would be perfect because like... It'll be a nice reminder to never become a musician. <laughs> Your body will never hate join. You. Never join drumline. The golden left foot, not worth it. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, Andrew, what's new with you? What's new with me? Um, it's been a one. bit. It's been a strange week on so many levels. <laughs> so that it's been one week since. Yeah. Um. Oh. Um, <laughs> Since we were supposed to record last and didn't. Yeah, um, last week we didn't record, and for a handful of of good reasons. And over the course of the last week, uh, it's just there's been a lot to process, and I, I we'll talk about it later in the show. I don't want to start off super super heavy here, but uh, I guess to kind of give you a little bit of an insight where my headspace is just from. The Fox Cairo perspective is I've been working on uh, releasing the topper for the Line 6 Helix floor for months now Um, and put a whole lot of effort into it. And I've had this date on the calendar for a little bit, uh, this last Friday on the calendar for a little bit for like, this is our release day. And after this last week, like, I didn't care. It was like, sure, we're releasing something super exciting. I think it's. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think it's the most exciting topper that we've done to date because of the the way that it wraps over the left side of the treadle and the the unique ability that my topper I, – I could go like on on that, but like it just didn't seem – it didn't seem exciting. It didn't seem noteworthy. I almost just flat out canceled it, um, and I honestly intentionally just haven't made it that big of a deal this week because I've, there's a lot more that's – way more important. So I've been a lot on my mind. Um, and, uh, today we're recording this on Saturday. This will come out Tuesday. So three days ago now, uh, mm-hmm. just launched the, uh, put together some artwork with the help of Sean. Yeah, you did. Uh, for a black lives matter pedal topper design, all proceeds are going to get donated to the, uh, NAACP chapter here in King County. Nice. Good choice. Uh, Local to the area, love this community, completely just and utterly shocked by some of the garbage that I've seen this week. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. let's talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. I'll just, for right this moment, while we're talking about it, I will simply say that this county is named after Martin Luther King Jr. Well, now it is. 
And yet here we are. It just – so many emotions all at once. So that's you know, about where I'm you at. Know, with- you know it wasn't originally MLK Jr., right? Uh, it was when I moved here. Right? Well, I mean this, this change happened a long time ago. Uh, the county was originally named in 1852 after Vice President William Rufus Devane King, a slave owner and advocate of the Fugitive Slave Act. And, uh, Yikes. Yeah. In, 18, in 1986, I think, is when it changed. But in 2005, uh, the state legislature, legislature formally voted to make Dr. King, our Martin Luther King Jr., the county's official namesake. Hmm. Yeah. On today's so, episode of Things I Did Not Know. Is this a history podcast? Sorry. Hey, Sean, any uh, any new gear gear fun things with you? Um, gear fun things. Actually, yeah. I've got a few things that I've gotten in. Um, we brought up the guitar store and meeting each other there. Uh, the new thing that I've recently got in that I, I'll be completely honest. I don't know if I want to disclose because I want this to be my little secret. Um, I've gotten <laughs> the white gold from Recovery Effects. Oh, yes. Oh, they're the best. They are. I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that feels like a jerk because uh, for a little while during May, they're like, hey, we're opening up our artist programs so that way we can stay busy and also get you know got, get you guys to where you're creating more often. Yeah, because musicians because musicians were you know not getting gigs and not getting work from their second jobs that a lot of us have. So yeah. they uh, for all those listening, uh, Recovery Effects based out of Seattle, Washington, my my literal neighbors, they um they opened up their artist pricing for I think two or three months so that everyone could get that same rate uh, on their pedals, which are just stellar. Right. And I remember from, you know, just the overall guilt that I felt as a, uh, as a kid, whenever my parents would open up the beauty supply, um, a beauty supply store we used to have back in Texas. And one of our biggest pet peeves would be the people that would kind of pull up and be like, yo, can I get a discount on this? Yo, can, can I get the, uh, can I get this on the low? Now, granted, yeah. I didn't ask. <laughs> it was offered. And I literally waited until the last minute. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Birthday's coming up. Just do it. And so the they were really. Pricing? Yeah. Yeah. Because. Yeah. They uh, wanted you to do it. Yeah. And that's what I was like, okay, I might as well. It's being advertised, you know. And I've, I've had this, my, I've had my uh, sights on this pedal for the longest time. And it's so good. To circle back to the guitar store story, I remember. The moment Craig and Zara, or uh, I hope they I'm... showed when they showed up, it was Greg and Zara, yeah. Zara, Zara or Zara? I think it's with an E. Zara. Zara. I'm okay. sorry, she's she's told me, and I'm just bad with names. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to not uh, run into that same pecan, 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 all that. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember they strolled in this. They strolled in the store. And I just looked at them and I was like, wow. Because they were both wearing matching hats. And I think they were. Oh, yes. Their hat game is so good. <laughs> I felt like. Sarah was wearing that wide brim and Greg was wearing the yes. fedora. Yes. Yeah. I just remember looking at them and I was like, oh, 
oh wow, I am very underdressed for this, and I'm just in my like in my seventy sixers throwback. I'm just in jeans. There's a tear in the knee, and I'm like, oh god, this is what I'm dealing with. Okay, I need to you know present myself a little better. So I never said hi to them, but I just sheepishly went on their social media. I went on Instagram. And I was like, damn, y'all have game is on point, like. Where did y'all even get these ideas? Y'all just came through looking like a two-man gang in this thing, and I am very (laughs) They are, like, a great aesthetic couple. I will say that. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say a lot of great things about them. Oh, yeah, because you got Greg. He kind of looks like a very happy uh, Henry Rollins. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I've never thought about that, but I see it. But yeah, but yeah, so that's one thing I've gotten in recently. Um, I've made it a point right now to try and like buy up things that are local to me. Like uh, I got in this sustain pedal from Austin known as the Soundstone. Uh, it only ran me about $40 and it's been working pretty good with me. Um, another thing I just got in and again, under your influence I don't know why it took me so long to just say, screw it and buy one, but I am now the proud owner of a Squire Starcaster. <gasps> nice! What? Which one did you get? I got the all maple one, so I got the maple fretboard, Ooh. maple, all that. It is the only guitar in my collection outside of my, uh... well, oh, well, okay, I've got a few guitars that aren't, but for a while I would always get bummed because all my guitars are either orange or sunburst and they're fine colors but they're yeah. usually not my first choice so uh yeah yeah no it's nice to switch it up and i have a very unhealthy love of maple fretboards <laughs> what do you what do you think of it honestly it's it's a lot better than i expected it to be especially coming yeah. straight from the shop uh, not from the shop but straight from squire like it's the first new guitar i've bought since I bought my Orange Gretsch. And um, the fact that it came out the box playing the way it did has been nice. It mm-hmm. sounds exactly the way I kind of need it to. Because for the longest time, I was just kind of looking for a guitar that was in the same vein as my Gretsch's, but was also different. And that kind of fills that space fairly well. It records well. It feels good. And, um, it feels for the really fact, good. It feels great. Now, do you remember, Emily, whenever... Uh, Fender had the modern player series. No, I don't. Okay. Um, I don't remember the year, but it was like the first year they run the modern player series. So they had like a Nashville, uh, Nashville style, uh, pickup setting for one of their Telecasters, where it was like a humbucker in the bridge that you could uh, that had coil tapping in it, a strap Ooh. pickup in the middle, and then the regular Tele pickup in the neck. Nice. So it was around that time. I'll have to research and see when that was. But it was around that time they actually reoffered the um, Starcaster, and it was in the same two colors. It was in uh, Sunburst and Maple. Was that and when I they were doing the Fender Starcaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I remember the that Fender Starcaster. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing one. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy one. I'm gonna buy one," but never did. So I remember the last time I've played one and now playing one of the Squire ones, I really can't tell too much of a difference. And yeah. Saying something. I was thinking like as soon as I got this, it's like what, three or $400 depending on which one you get. I'm like, this plays like an eight to $900 guitar easily. 
Well, and I think it's also important to remember that, like, it really doesn't matter what you kind of drop on a guitar as long as it feels great to you. Like, I've yes. got a range of just gear here, and I don't think I've ever paid more than a thousand on any of these instruments. And oh, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> I, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that day. You, I, I'll be honest. Like, I've been uh, kind of looking at you know the Gretsch site, and I'm just like. One of these days, I'm going to trade it all away, and I'm buying a Falcon. But today is nice. not that day. <laughs> yeah, I have literally two two guitars that are worth more than a thousand dollars: a Tuna Tone and a, a vintage uh, Coronado Two. Oh God, I want to play a Coronado so bad one day. I oh think yeah, I'm, come by sometime. I, well, when this all when we're when you're allowed to come. <laughs> when there's not an imminent threat of like death by asphyxiation due to a terrible virus. Yeah. Or by police. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I got a new pedal. I got some new pedals. <laughs> uh, what'd you get? I got uh, the Surfy Industries Surfy Bear Reverb. Uh, they're compact. It's it's an actual spring reverb with real springs in it. Is it kind of like one of those where you can kick it? Yeah. That, that crashing sound, totally. And it's got a, a mixer one and two, so you can have a really, really wet sound and then kind of a drier sound, uh, and you can go between those, which I think is really cool. But does it drip? Oh, does it ever? It drips. It drips. It's very drippy. Very, very drippy. Yeah. I also got uh, – Ernie Ball sent me to demo uh, their – VP volume pedal tuner, which is really slick. Uh, really, mm. really, really slick. Uh, and their expression pedals, uh, their, their ambient delay, their, uh, expression overdrive and their expression tremolo that our friend, uh, Mike Adams gave some input on. So I haven't really been able to play around with many of those a lot. I played around with the tremolo some and I talked to, to Mike kind of about like some of the suggestions that he made. And I'm just very glad he was around to make the suggestions that he made on this pedal is all I'm going to say. But uh, I'm really looking forward to, to filming those uh, soon. But yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, people are people are sending me things to demo. And it's really cool to see uh, brands who seem to kind of get get what I'm I'm doing. So that's really lovely. That is amazing. I can't wait to hear what you come up with with those pedals. Because I remember for the longest time, I would see those in Guitar Center. And whenever they came out with the first iteration of them, people were really hyped on them. But I would see them used at, like, various guitar shops. I'm like, oh, that's a steal. Yeah. But I never, you know, quite made the decision to go ahead and do it. Yeah. I um, The the Trimble is the best of them, uh, is, is what I've heard from a lot of people i had uh the ambient delay just for a little bit uh it, ultimately like i i just i got the earthquaker avalanche run right after that so i didn't have a need for it so and a friend was wanting it so i sold it to her um but yeah i'm excited to actually be able to spend some time with it this time figure it out give it some love and, and film these demos i mean i know they're not like the new exciting kind of pedals but it's still i think a really great idea of a pedal a pedal platform slash format now on that note uh can we chat do you want to chat sponsors 
Sponsors, sponsors, sponsors. Sponsors. This week's episode of the Get Off Set Podcast is sponsored by Surfy Industries. They have an office in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, they make real deal spring reverb units, uh, pedal sized. Um, I mean, it's still a big pedal, but it's not the biggest pedal I own. And it sounds really great. Again, real spring reverb. Uh, Surfy Industries. I am, I am floored by this pedal and I am probably going to buy a new power supply so that I can get it on my board. I really, it's just so cool. It's just so cool. <laughs> so thanks to Surfy Industries. Uh, I'll have that, I have that demo. It has launched by the time this episode launches. So check that out on the YouTube page. That's a sponsor. Yay. Yes. Um, and I do want to say that uh, this sponsorship was a paid for spot and I have, uh, sorry, Andrew, I donated that money to um, a couple of causes. I donated it to a few bail funds. Nice. And uh, Campaign Zero as well. Very cool. Yeah. So thanks, Surfy Industries. I think they would approve of me spending the sponsorship money that way. I was going to spend, I was going to donate all of our YouTube revenue, but it's really not very much money, so... I donated it. Here's three bucks. <laughs> That's like twenty seven dollars. Hey, any any little bit. Seriously, I'm very excited and proud and humbled. I guess at, that people enough people have subscribed to our YouTube channel that I could monetize it. I just Quick want that money to go to a good place. The, sorry, y'all can't hear the rain in the background, can you? It's raining. It's yeah. raining. No, I no. can't hear it. You good? Okay, yeah. All right. As long as y'all can't hear it, we're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rick said it was going to storm. Good. Yeah. I don't so, I don't know why I said that. That was just a very forceful reaction for me. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> good. I, my apple tree needs water. <laughs> as does mine. Yes. You have an apple tree, too? I do have an apple tree, though. Oh. But here, here's, here's the thing with my apple tree is... Last year, there wasn't a single edible apple on there. Oh, codling moths get them or something? Uh, I, no, no, it was like fruit flies and stuff. Okay, here's what you need to do is you need to, you know those little like uh, footies that you use when you try on shoes? You need to buy some of those or like paper bags or plastic bags. You need to zip tie, like not zip tie them, but like twist tie them onto the apple trees. That prevents the bugs from getting into the apples, but the apples can still grow. Well, the point I was going to make is that if an apple tree produces a lot of bad apples, at some point you got to find yourself wondering, maybe the tree is diseased. Maybe there's something wrong with this tree. Just I, get, what, I like what that I analogy and I, I get what you're saying, but if we want to talk literally about your specific tree, I think that you should try... Okay, yes, yes. I, I know that you're taking it very literally. I, and sorry. I admit that I was grounding my good analogy in enough reality that it could have been taken in a sense of reality. Are you just okay. trying to wonder if all cats are beautiful? All cats <laughs> are beautiful. I, you know, I, no, I, I take that back. I don't I actually don't like all cats. No, like all cats, cats are beautiful. <laughs> Baker's dozens. Baker's <laughs> dozens. 
right. Uh, so, Sean, how yeah, long yeah. have you been living in Seattle? I lost track. Um, judging like a by, year? Yeah, about a year. Uh, actually, more than a year. I've been here about a year and a half. Um, oh. I got here tail end of 2018? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I kind of kept quiet for a little bit whenever I first got here. So I was just like, it's really easy for me to kind of just say, all right, who's touring? Let's get it. Let's let's get this work in. <laughs> but I, I, I kind of needed uh, a little bit of time to more get myself a little more structured and, you know, live a little bit more life. And also, yeah. too many bombies. Mm, yeah, we got that a lot. We got a lot of that here. Good bombies, good fa. So you're, I mean, you're a killer guitarist. So were you, were you playing a lot and touring a lot when you lived in Texas? Yeah. Um, so back in Texas, I was kind of in a weird position where I was in a uh, touring act and I was in a band called Thieves of Sunrise, which was kind of like a mix between the Allman Brothers, Pink Floyd and the Grateful Dead. And we toured all over the uh, United States. Um, one of the reasons why I, Love Seattle the way I did before moving up here was like we would always come up here during the summertime and it was never a degree over ninety five and I was like it's amazing this God awesome. it's barely ever agree over eighty three <laughs> yes and you know coming from the south where like you know you've I was either spending all my time either in football pads basketball practices or marching band this is very welcome for me to just kind of take a, a break from that from twenty four years of just death by sun yeah the south summers in the south are no joke i heard i uh, i heard the folks in the south are less scared of hurricanes and more scared of their ac unit dying yeah well that's <laughs> true because you will die if your ac unit dies i don't know how they lived back I don't even know AC. how we make it out here in Seattle with most of us not having AC. I mean, that's brutal. Do you have AC? I don't have central AC. I have one portable AC unit that gets like one like one room out of all the houses or mm -hmm. the house, out of the whole house, uh, if I'm lucky. And yeah, that's a we... bit like cranking full blast, starting at 6 a.m., trying to keep things cool, and it's a losing battle. We can do the fan uh, that can push at least move air throughout the whole house. But really, we find we only need the window unit one month a year. Yeah. Uh, nice thing is, like, with, a, like, a townhouse like that, though, like, the, the amount of, like, roof area that's getting sun on it is a little bit small. Like, I've got skylights Air. in my house. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> like, like, part of me, like, do I just, like, should I just tape a tarp down to the roof during the summertime? Like, Do the Texas cover... thing and put foil in all the windows. I've thought about doing that. Um, a lot we've got it's an older house and a lot of the windows are super old and leaky and have no insulation i mean this place is an absolute sieve when it comes to air conditioning uh, management so you know anyways i'm all that to say you guys are all probably thinking i'm a total wuss which is true i deny none of that you're weak I am weak. I know. I, I, I made it. I lived in, in LA for five years and I did just fine. You want to know why? Everywhere you go has AC. Yeah. It's the same as living when I lived in Nashville. Like you walk from the house 
You open the door. Ooh, it's an oven out there. But your glasses fog up immediately. Thirty seconds. You're in the car, which is hot. But you roll down the windows real quick just to flush out all the extra hot air. Crank the AC. You have to be very careful when you touch the um, seatbelt, though. Careful when you touch the seatbelt. Careful when you. uh, (laughs) That's why I. I I don't know if I could ever do a car with leather seats, just because I had a car with leather seats during that time, and it just ah ah like grab a towel. And when you imagine, imagine now being a girl who like the only shorts you can buy are short shorts, (laughs) and then you have to sit your ass on a leather seat. Okay, I don't know about you, but I like to show off a little bit of thigh myself, and that 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 has burned me in the past. Quite I've literally. bought I've I've bought Rick some like really short swim trunks and I just wish he would wear them. <laughs> I I've got a trick for that actually. Have... Oh, you do? Yeah. So, me and my mom like to habitually bother my dad, and we'll do things like uh, paint his toenails while he's asleep, <laughs> and then take all of his shoes so that way he has to wear flip flops nice. wherever he has to go. And there was one time he didn't know that his uh, his uh, fingertail f- uh, finger fingertails. What's toenails? the word? Toenails. Thank you. Uh, he didn't know his toenails were painted, and he didn't realize it until he walked into a Walmart, reached down to get some beans, looked at his toes, and then <laughs> ran out. Looked at them toe beans. Look at them yeah. toe beans. Ah, no toes beans. Oh man. It can't be happening to me. Hope it was a good color. It was a nice sparkly pink. <gasps> yeah, that's a good color. Very good color. Almost it's got like a pop, pink, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. All that's right. So, mor- moral of the story: If Emily would like to see her husband in short shorts all the time, uh, t- she needs to paint Rick's toenails. I right? think. I think that the, he's saying is I need to hide the other pants. I suppose that would work as well. <laughs> also, fun fact: my father's name is also Rick. Oh, Ricks! Ricks got to stick together, right? Does he? Does, do people always hear Greg? Because that's what Rick always says. He'll introduce himself to someone and be like, "Oh, hey, Greg." No, he sometimes he'll get Richard for some reason, and we're all like, "Nah, it's just Rick." It's either yeah, Rick my, or Ricky. My Rick's not a Richard either. His his grandmother was afraid that people would call him Little Richard. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. What? Are you wondering what's wrong with that? Um, Be- I, I'm thinking of Little Richard, the man who I love near and dear. But I also forget that, like, there's another uh, name for Richard that still doesn't make any sense to me. Dick? Yeah. I, I didn't know. Yeah, people... I mean, it's just it's just a rhyming thing that used to be that used to be huge, like rhyming names, like so Peg for <laughs> Margaret, because Margaret turned to Meg, which turns to Peg, which turns to Peggy. But uh, no, it was she was she was just thinking about the the the, the flamboyant singer. <laughs> Rest so fun, in peace. Fun fact: one of my friends growing up, um, the name on his birth so he went by Ricky, and the name on his birth certificate was Richard Cummings Jr. No, 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 no. Uh, I can't make this up. No. He went by Ricky when we were kids, and, and now that we're all adults, he goes by Rick. One of the greatest humans I've ever met in my life. One of, like, the most genuinely nice human beings you'll ever meet. Like, you, 
immediately get vibes like this dude would give me the shirt off his back. Uh, but I, I've always felt that tinge of, oh, and then his Aww. dad was Rick Cummings Sr. I mean, that you don't have to. You don't have to do this. <laughs> you don't have to, but they did. You so don't I'm, have to junior your children. I'm awaiting the day that he, he announces that he's going to have a kid. And I'm I'm just wait. Is he going to do it? He is better he not. <laughs> Richard Cummings the third. Listen, I think that the one way to like get into the topic of this episode is that sometimes traditions need to die. <laughs> that is fair. Before I get too far, I would also like to share that the the campus pastor at my undergraduate university, which is a Christian university, and so we had campus pastors. The primary campus pastor's name was Woody Morewood. Why? I can't make this up. Google Why? it. Google Woody Morwood is Zusa Pacific University. Again, one of the kindest human beings I've ever met in my life. Well, you I, can't be an asshole if you have a name that ridiculous. Here's the best part. I, I attended that school for a total of uh, three and a half years, so seven semesters, and I didn't realize till semester five that there was something weird about his name. It just never clicked with me. <laughs> and I remember like that aha moment of like, oh. <gasps> No, wait. Okay. How did it. I? I've Googled it, Andrew. I'm going to ruin everything for you. Uh-huh. His, name's, his name is James. Woody is his nickname. I know that. Because of his last name. So to say his name is Woody Morewood just means that he's taken the nickname based on his last name. Well, yes. And he's a really funny guy. <laughs> that, is, that is so funny. I like, I really like that. But like, it would be like me naming my kid Patty Patsy. Or Patsy Patsy. My grandfather's name is Harry Harris. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's real. I... <laughs> Did you all think it was a joke? <laughs> like, there was a long pause. It can be true and still a joke. Oh, But the thing is, he was only the fourth kid. It's not like they ran out of names. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What are we going to... Do we have anything else other than Harris? His older brother's name was Homer. That That's a nice name. Homer Harris. I, I could dig that. Homer Harris. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> that's a great baseball name. Yeah. You know what? It, it sounds like an old school baseball player, Homer Harris. Well, we have Homer Bailey was a Reds pitcher. I don't know if he still is. No one Homer's cares about Cincinnati. Name. Come on. I'm going to mute you. <laughs> Again. <laughs> So, um, earlier, Andrew, you mentioned that last week we didn't actually, if you download the episode last week, friends, you, uh, just got an hour of absolute silence and a list of organizations you might want to donate to. Um, so for ever, um, there have, there's been, uh, an issue that's been brought to light more, I think, probably thanks to people having cameras on their phones to be able to video and monitor situations a little bit better. And, you know, probably a, a change in the way police have been trained over the years. I don't know. Um, I haven't dug into it that much, but there's been a terrible trend of um, people being killed by the police. And in 2019, 24% of people killed by the police were were black, despite making up only 
13 percent of the population and despite the fact that white people according to the fbi commit more crime um and a, a man in minneapolis named george floyd was uh, murdered by the police um and that combined with um, a woman named Breonna Taylor who was murdered by the police in Louisville, uh, also a black woman, um, and a few other instances just over the course of, jeez, I, I feel like every year it's in the news more and more and more, and we see it more and more and more. And finally, something just broke, and people across the world are now protesting in solidarity with, with Black Lives Matter and demanding police reform if not completely defunding and figuring something else out instead of the current police structure um and last week in seattle at this time there were protests and these protests we were watching it live on the news i think andrew and i both separately um watching as the police used basically chemical weapons on its own citizens, chemical airborne irritants, uh, commonly referred to colloquially as tear gas, even though they will say often that they didn't use tear gas, they used pepper balls or something else like that. Um, and we were just watching it. We were supposed to record that night and we just decided that it wasn't the time and we were just not in the right headspace for it. So that is why, we did not release an episode last week. It's the first time we've ever skipped a week and did not uh, release an episode. Um, and that's something that we have had a little bit of time to think about and have maybe put together some some words or just talk about this with, with the three of us um, about kind of what's going on and what it means. It's been a trip uh, just seeing how different people and brands are responding to everything that's happening. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it might be hard to believe, but I tend to be an empathetic person. And this week has been really difficult for me to watch. And I say that acknowledging right out the gates that I'm, a white guy and I I'm not experiencing this nearly to the same level or degree that uh, a, a lot of other folks are experiencing. Like I, the amount that I'm getting it at is just where I'm at with my where as much as I can be. And it's just been a whole lot to take in. Um, I really should have written something down uh, to help collect my thoughts because I've had just an entire week of just racing thoughts and just, a whole lot. So I, I guess I'll, I'll do my best real quick just to run through some of the, the major thoughts that I've had this week. I have been beyond appalled at some of the things I've seen cops do this week. Uh, I've been beyond appalled at the senseless murders that have been, uh, we've seen run through the news cycle and not just in the last month, but over the, the last decade or so. I mean, I'm a younger guy, uh, and the first, the I can't believe that there's like a oh the first time I like there shouldn't be like that. It, I remember when Trayvon Martin was murdered, and thinking 
oh, this is really strange. And people are really upset about this and not really understand what's going on. And I remember that being the first time as a senior in high school, the first time I really had that click of, oh, something doesn't seem right here. And over the last decade or so, really just kind of trying to dig in and listen to my uh, to my black brothers and sisters and everything that they've got to say and their perspective. And uh, it's all been really kind of brought to the front in the last couple of months, especially for me. And I know that that's a privilege to to have been able to kind of take it as I'm able to take it in doses, um, kind of at my own speed. And it's just been on full throttle. Something's got to change. This is this is so far past, and I know I sound like the like every a lot of people. I'm sure, like, uh huh. We've been saying this for years. Yeah. And you know what? We're here now, and we're we're saying it, it's got to change. And it's we're so far past what's acceptable. I, my brothers, my dad, my grandpa, my great grandpa were all in the military. They've all done uh, a whole lot for this country. And the stories of being a military brat from my friends and family about what it's like to, to like the rules of escalating violence and war zones and stuff like that. And I'm flipping around and I'm seeing like how cops are treating this kind of stuff. And I'm just, whoa, we went from zero to 85 real fast here. This is not okay. This is in an ideal world. The, the institution of the police should be honorable. And right now it's not, and that's got to change. And not just for the sake of the, the institution of the police, because that's really not my main priority here. I admit that there's a little chunk in the back of my head that really wants to believe that the institutions that serve and protect our, our country are honorable, just being the military brat. And as much as I've been, I had my own experience of leaving the military community um, over the last few years and, setting out as a civilian it, that's not my main prior i it really couldn't like that's not where my headspace is that like people just ugh, need to stop get, getting killed i mean this is absurd this yeah. is so far past gone yeah um, as a as a christian who believes in the sanctity of life this is absolutely heartbreaking and soul crushing on that level um i don't know mm-hmm. i i, I I've, I don't have a complete perspective on it. I don't pretend to have a complete perspective on it. I, I just know that from the amount that I've been able to see is more than enough for me to say, all right, I, this is, we're, we're past the level of okay. And I, I've been at that point for a few years now and seeing it, I really should have written something down, but you guys are getting, you're getting a sneak peek of me um, kind of processing in real time. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been bubbling since, um, at least since the early nineties, I wasn't aware of the, you know, everything that happened. And was it Freddie Gray in Los Angeles? Gosh, no. Are you talking about the nineties? Rodney King? Rodney King. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no secret that. So Freddie I mean, Gray was just five, five years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, none of this is new. I mean, the, our country is has a long and very inglorious history on this subject. And it's one that, honestly, I didn't get enough education on when I was in school. Uh, I, I'm still learning no, about like, major. 
major historical things. I'm like, wait, what happened? Yeah. The the firebombing of was it Tulsa? Tulsa. Um yeah. uh, I mean we don't need to, to bring that all up and I don't I've done enough I talking. Did, like we haven't yeah, we have done enough talking. <laughs> I've done enough talking. I, I've got my Yeah. This is the part where I, we ref, look back at last week where we took the week off to not say anything because we were in even worse shape last week in terms of our ability to put together coherent thoughts and just feeling the, the uh, a whole lot of emotion just kind of rushing through and just not knowing how to handle that. We're still barely a step further forward than that. Yeah. Uh, and I, it was really important for us to take the last week, kill the episode is the first episode that first week that we've skipped since we started the show uh, and, and take the week to just listen to other voices. And I, and amplify other voices. Yeah. So apology, apology, Sean, I'm, I'm used to doing a lot of talking in the show. I really should have shut up a lot sooner. No, you're fine. You're fine. I get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't um, pretend to imagine what it's like to to be anything other than a, a privileged white woman and in, in dealing with the police and uh, to be honest that's not always great either um, but Sean just like just what anything that you feel comfortable talking about or sharing we we would love to hear what you have to say okay um, first of all I want to uh, thank y'all for at least giving me this platform and giving me the time of day to talk about things like this, because I'll be completely honest. Um, when it comes to my relationship with music and the people that I have played with and people who have managed the band and bands I've been a part of, um, I haven't really been able to speak on this in any kind of capacity where I felt like I was being heard unless I was with my family or my best friend back in Texas. She lives in Austin now. And um, uh, like straight up, this conversation wouldn't have happened a few years ago if I was still in Texas. So thank you all for that. Um, I also apologize if I do what they call in wrestling, cut a promo. And that's <laughs> there won't be any yelling, but there's going to be a lot of rambling. But um, cut your promo. I'm for it. <laughs> so here's the deal. I'll, I'll start it this way. Um, my whole family comes from various parts of the country. Um, my mom's originally from Ohio. My dad is from Oak Cliff. Um, which um, if you're in the Texas area, if you're in the Dallas area, you know that's the hood or what used to be the hood in the '80s and the '90s before um gentrification happened um i was born in dallas raised all over the north texas area and um my parents had me fairly young so prefaces that way you know we all know kind of the preconceived notions of being black in the south it can be a hassle like that already sucks so my parents work really hard to try and get us into a point where me and my three little sisters, that's Kia, Skylar, and Kennedy, 
had the best opportunity not to wind up in some of the situations that they have been in. Here's the thing, though. Um, they don't really end up in situations where they're that bad. Like, um, I don't know how they work up here, but, like, uh, uh, educate me. So, if you get a ticket up here and it goes unpaid, does it go to a warrant here? I really don't know. I don't think I've gotten a ticket. Okay. I uh, I know that Seattle has done some things to try to uh, reduce the inter- the negative interactions between police and people. Things like decriminalizing jaywalking and marijuana, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm actually not sure about warrants being served for tickets. All right, and that's the one thing that um kind of sets the tone for these things is the fact that like you know I've had to I've I've on multiple occasions as a young boy and as a young man have had to see have to see my parents in handcuffs just over a speeding ticket just because they have to run us to and from school before they go to work and things of that nature and you know that right there is already a lot so here's the thing um in all those situations police did their job they were annoying they were very aggressive uh not aggressive but like more aggressive than they needed to be over a ticket let's be real but they mm-hmm. at least did the job they're supposed to do um so whenever you see these situation situations escalate and escalate to where it goes from like you said earlier it goes from like zero to 85 and no time at all it kind of puts a little fear in you like you know it there's been uh multiple times where i've oh um this person has gotten shot and it all stemmed from a uh what's it called uh a ticket and i'm like holy shit that could have very easily have been my parents that could have very easily have been my uncle my grandfather my grandmother especially given how our history with uh police is again nothing violent nothing bad you know we're just a speeding ticket you know yeah yeah and the thing is that like yeah it's easy to get those it's easy to take care of them but at the same time you know we're it's also easy to lose them and or hard to pay them sometimes. They can be so expensive. Yes. And that's like, that can be the difference between any middle class person who doesn't have $500 in an emergency fund. That's like half of Americans or more. Yeah, I had a, I got a speeding ticket in LA County a couple years ago, three years ago, right before I moved up here. Uh, and it was 460 bucks plus I opted to pay the extra money to take the online driver's training. So my insurance wouldn't hear about it. Oh, wow. That's just weird and gross and bad. That was not cheap. Yeah. And it's not also not a capital offense. Right. It shouldn't be, but it seems to be sometimes. Right, and, and and again, like it's already hard enough if you're busy. Now you know, add add you know, you got four kids you really want to take care of, four kids that you're busting your ass to like get to a good school system that 
the two of y'all can barely afford to stand because, you know, screw trying to live in a decent place without paying all of your paycheck to be able to stay there just to rent it. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's weird to think about because a lot of the things that kind of happen can be avoided. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like just talking about, um, police serving warrants, uh, for arrests for tickets instead of going to collections or something else that would be normal. And, would reduce the interact the negative interactions these officers have right so so with things like that i really think um one of the things that kind of sucks is is that every time you hear i hear about these incidents and you know someone being killed somebody being choked out over something that could have been avoided i just think about my folks and then that doesn't even get to where I stand as a musician, where playing in a Southern rock band, I'm playing in a lot of areas where people don't know me there. People don't know I'm in a band about to play, you know, yeah. and I wake up, get out of the tour bus looking rough because I'm the road's hard. You know, you get tired driving from place to place. And it is very easy for me to be in a position where I, to the untrained eye probably looks sketchy enough where like oh hey that person has something that looks expensive and he doesn't look like something he doesn't look like someone that owns something expensive i'm gonna call police (laughs) yeah out of state or out of town county license plates that was a big thing in cincinnati people getting pulled over for well black people getting pulled over for their license plate not matching the neighborhood they were in Right, and that's something that straight up does not fly. So, yeah, because people in America never, you know, travel. No. Yeah, yeah, never. It's, yeah, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so you 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 kind of pull all that together, and you're just constantly in this state of what if I'm next? Because could easily be myself being a hashtag one day. Um, especially I remember one that, uh, kind of hit me the hardest was the death of Eric Gardner and, um, just all the things I read online, all the shit I would hear in venues. Um, and you, you guys have met me. I'm big guy, just big for no reason, as they say in the South. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, people are saying, oh, if he wasn't so overweight, if he didn't have diabetes, if he didn't have asthma, he wouldn't have died. I don't know. It's, it's he shouldn't just, have been put in a chokehold for how many minutes? Oh, oh, over, a loose, over a loose cigarette. Like it's, Yeah, because of a cigarette tax, stealing money, like, pennies from the government. Right, and it's just... Oh, man, it's, it's just, tiring. I, I strongly, like, there shouldn't be a reason to arrest somebody for that. Write them a ticket and they pay it or it goes to collections, like, if that's what you want to do. Or maybe just, like, focus on on bigger things. There's no reason. There's no reason for so many of these negative interactions to have happened. George Zimmerman never should have followed Trayvon Martin. Sandra Bland probably never should have been arrested. 
George Floyd killed over a, a, a suspected fraudulent $20 bill. Women, it, Breonna Taylor killed for sleeping in her bed while being served a no-knock warrant that wasn't even for her. These interactions should not have happened. And there's another one that a lot of people forget about, but thankfully she's been arrested. We're talking about a cop in Dallas. Yes, uh, walked into the wrong man's apartment and killed him. Botham Jean. Like, it's... And I was I used to live in that area, so again, could have easily have been myself just like, oh, hey, who's that at the door? Why the hell am I being told to put hands up? I'm at the crib. Yeah. Yeah. So is this was she was she drunk? Yeah. Uh well sh- if I remember correctly, yeah, she was under the influence of alcohol. She was drunk. She shouldn't uh, she shouldn't have had her gun with her. Like uh, gosh, and and now like guns and bars is legal in a lot of places, which is astounding. Yeah. I mean that, oh. oh, sorry. Oh, if I may jump in real quick, a couple of things is one, the instance of Botham Jean really tore me up because uh, I mentioned earlier, I went to a private Christian university and he had gone to Harding. I think if I remember top of my head, I remember my, uh, my newsfeed filling up with photos of like people that I know with Botham Jean. It, it turns out like a lot of mutual friends and I was like, oh, oh man, that's it. like in that level of like how many people I know who knew, knew the guy right, that was really tough to see. Cause like, this could be, a, that could have been any of my friends, probably not going to be me. And that's a very privileged thing to be able to say, but that was really tough. Um, and then something else that I, I am seeing way too much of this nonsense being thrown out there is like, Oh, well he had meth in his sister. Like people are trying to find ways in every single one. That's not, that's not a capital offense. In every single one of these instances, there's, there's people are trying to defame the character of any of the victims, which is ridiculous. This hashtag no angel bullshit ridiculous you're still a child it's not the point it's not the point because there's plenty of white people who have checked all those boxes and they don't get killed by the police in the yeah, same so numbers dylan roof and that is the only gonna be the time the only time i'm gonna say that name on this podcast just fill in the blank white male shooters who don't kill themselves yeah shot a shot up a bunch of black church or or shot the black church and was arrested peacefully dude was armed he had murdered people so he had the intent to kill and he had credibly done way worse than any of the things i've seen george floyd quote-unquote accused of right which i also think are all very fake trumped up charges well i mean but regardless he he was he was tried and convicted of crimes and he served his time and was released and that shouldn't he he wasn't doing anything like it just it doesn't have any factor the the one that really got me was uh back in 2014 a man named john crawford the third was shot in beaver creek ohio in a walmart for having a toy gun Uh, a guy a white guy called the police knowing that it was a toy gun um he called the police on a black man who had a gun in a Walmart, which Ohio was an open carry state. If it had been a real gun, 
John, John Crawford III would have been completely within his rights to be open carrying an automatic weapon. Um, and so the police come, they corner him, they don't announce who they are, or they do, but within moments of saying who they are and what they want to do, they shoot him dead. And then not only did, did this, this father die, he... A, another woman was killed. I think she had a heart attack or something from just the shock of everything that was happening. And she had two children who were, I think with her when all that happened. And what really pissed me off about that is the NRA who gets, is so vocal about open carry and gun owners rights. They did nothing for this person who would have been well within his own rights to, to open carry a gun. And the guy who made the false call to the 911, I don't think anything happened to him. So you have the system where it's just legal and okay and nobody stands up for people. And gee, I wonder why. I wonder why the NRA didn't say anything about John Crawford III. They also didn't say anything about Philando Castile, who during a traffic stop identified to the officer that he was a legal uh, gun owner, identified where the weapon was. And, God, what were his last words? I wasn't reaching for it. Mm-hmm. And NRA, NRA said nothing. But so, and we could go through the. I mean, we're barely scratching the surface. I, I the the list of horrendous crimes just in this decade, literally just in this just decade, in the past six years. I, I mean, Trayvon, Trayvon Martin should be like 27, 28 years old. And these are all just things that, like. I, I've been made aware of as a white guy. It, I mean, these are, it's so prevalent that it. <sighs> no. Yeah. It needs, and to stop. it needs to change. Something's got to give. And I, I, I really think this movement has some, ve- there's some really good points being made about this movement in terms of police reform. I, I think really rethinking the role of, what police should play in our community, the th- sorts of calls that they should be sent on, uh, how much funding they're getting. I just saw, I mean, some of the stuff, screw the rest of the country for the moment. Just here in Seattle, some of the things I've seen the Seattle Police Department caught on camera doing are violations of, our, of First Amendment rights, just flat out. Have you been watching the live streams and the, and the coverage, Sean? Honestly, um after the first day where my uh, sisters and my mom went out and then while they were on their way home, seeing some of the flashbangs that started happening, I couldn't take it really anymore. I haven't, I've, I've been told about what's been going on. I'll drop in on one here, on one, one or two here and there, but I'll be honest, it's hard for me to um, kind of watch them because you always you you always see the people who post them, and then someone's like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm at the protest. We're being peaceful, and this is this bullshit happening." Mm-hmm. And there's always always somebody that's there that's like, "Oh, well, forget these guys. You know, they're being violent. Why should we listen to them because they're being savages?" And it sends me over the edge because. That's literally how this country was founded, were people being savages and being like, no, we're not taking this anymore. Uh, Screw the king. Screw your taxes. Um, We're not doing this anymore. And it's those same people that, like, love this country, love the Constitution. And 
it it, it boggles the mind because like if that's the case, there should be no reason other than you do not like black people for you to write against this cause like this. No, oh, seriously. And who knows who knows who these quote unquote agitators even are. Even if even if the agitators are a handful of protesters, there's still no excuse for and, and I fully admit I that would be making a, a rather large concession here. Yeah. That 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 is making a concession that I'm not actually making right now, but for the sake of a thought experiment here, let's say that that was the case. That is not excuse to one deploy tear gas, which sounds. I hear people. Oh, that's not a big deal. No, it's pepper tear, spray. Tear Aerosolized. Gas. Yeah, the, the form of tear gas that they're using is, to my knowledge, not allowed in warfare, per the Geneva Convention. Feel chemical to, weapons feel free to fact check on that on me but it, it, in saying that out loud and rather because this the name tear gas sounds like oh it just makes you cry a little like we're, no we're talking a, a different level of what's going on here uh there's also no excuse that with first major day of protest last saturday i think that would be the 30th uh a seattle police department officer maced an eight-year-old girl yeah unprovoked which personally really upsets me as a parent and as a resident of, of the greater Seattle area. Cause I've brought my kid to protest before I've done protests and marches in the three years that I've been here in Seattle. It is normal to be able to bring your kid to a protest. And, and honestly, that's for a couple of reasons. One, it's a great educational opportunity for parents and kids. And I think that should absolutely be encouraged Two, the first amendment does not have an age limit to it so to anybody who would dare have the audacity to sit there and tell me you should have brought your kid to a protest i'm sorry it's a peaceful protest the first amendment does not have an age limit everybody should be allowed to engage in a peaceful that is a basic constitutional right that even our racist our very racist founding fathers could get their heads around yeah and also for the record the boston massacre was partially started because we were throwing dirt claws at the the British soldiers. So that wasn't exactly a fully peaceful protest either. Neither was the Boston Tea Party and these events that we look at as being like the most important things that we form our democracy around is the, the people's right to express their frustration in certain ways. But we also have seen, you know, uh, people, the white nationalist groups pretend to be Antifa on Twitter to rile people up and to falsely say that they're going to go to like Puyallup or wherever Snohomish and, 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 you know, start riots and then those things never come to pass. It's just, it's it's frustrating. And and the idea that like a few people breaking into a Nordstrom uh, disqualifies all of protesters, but a few cops killing a few unarmed civilians doesn't, it's just, I don't understand the, the cartwheels you have to do in your brain to justify that. Oh yeah. And before I get too far off of that, just going back to the the whole kid thing real quick is protesting with kids is nothing new to Seattle. This is a part of the Seattle protest culture. This is a part of the fabric, the social fabric of this city. And to that level seem makes the fact that the cops just 
did that on camera. Like the video is out there. It's horrifying. Walked up to a peaceful crowd and just flat out maced the little girl in the face and turned around and walked off. I mean, that, yeah. that feels like as a parent feels like such a betrayal knowing that every other time I've been at a protest, chances are decent. I probably walked past that officer. I mean, yeah. they're out of, con- it's out of control. It's super out of control. I just saw uh, the Twitter sphere is going off in Seattle right now because cops are setting up uh, rifles on tripods on rooftops in the downtown area. I'm rather worried about how that's going to play out. Uh, there's also the there's the way that they did the curfew. The first night is they announced a curfew. Jenny 15 Durkin, minutes. 15 minutes. If that, four, yeah. I was being generous by saying 15 <laughs> minutes before they had, uh, before curfew had was enacted. And then get this all public transportation is shut down. The free was, sh- was shut down. Uh, the cops had all the protesters in downtown boxed in. And now you've got to, they're like, you're now breaking the law. It's like this really sad, pathetic excuse to be like, okay, now you guys are breaking the law. You guys were using your constitutional rights 15 minutes ago, but now you're breaking the law by some arbitrary rule we made up on the fly. That you cannot, you can't even escape where you are. For the, for the, there's no other purpose other than we needed to find a way to get you guys kicked out and to make that illegal. And now we're going to arrest all of all of y'all. That's just how it's going to go. And just like watching, remember Monday, Monday, there was, there were people who had umbrellas on the front line to protect themselves from the chemical warfare against them. And one of the cops, you see him grab a woman, I'm sorry, a a pink pink umbrella. umbrella. And then the person who had the umbrella pulls it back, which is just the natural reaction you would have. And then they start facing everybody. That's, that's their umbrella. Like, why are you grabbing it? It was so clear. You didn't see a bottle flying through the air or anything until that police officer grabbed that person's umbrella. That literally is what started it on Monday. Right. And then like the next day or two, uh, Jenny Durkin came out and said, we're going to take a 30 day break on using tear gas. Not even 24 hours later. And here we are again. It's just a very small window and, and the, of my ability to experience this uh, and see this as it comes, come, uh, as it hits the interwebs of how screwed up the system is and to what lengths the system is willing to go. I mean, and that this is where I come back to the whole, the apple tree analogy I threw in earlier in terms of like, at some point, like this, this tree is diseased yeah. and we've really got to reevaluate what's going on. Plant something new. I don't know if the answer is planning something. I, I here's what I know is something is broken. What I don't know is how to fix it. Yeah. And I'm okay with not knowing how to fix it. I, I'm not sure that it needs to rest on any individual shoulders to have that sorted out. And if there was anybody's shoulders on which that should be sorted out, it would be Jenny Durkin, who's the mayor of Seattle, and Carmen Best, who is the police chief. Yeah, I think that there are people who have more education and training and understanding of what different systems are, what different options are, and what would work better. I think the baseline thing is we really need to reduce the negative interactions police officers have with the public. Uh, I think we need to increase the de-escalation training that police officers receive. Um, I think that those two things would 
do a lot. I know that um, Campaign Zero has put together a list of eight things that can't wait. Yep. And the, they, they, can't wait they, they, they claim that it would um, reduce police deaths, de- deaths at the hands of police officers, that is, by like 72%. And I I do want to say that I understand that it's very scary being a police officer. Um, I just, I know that if you pull somebody over for speeding, you don't know if they're going to be fine and chill and normal or if they're going to shoot you because of any other reason. And I get that that fear exists. I get that you, as a police officer, know that there's a lot of vitriol and hatred around your profession. And I know that you probably got into this. Hopefully, I hope you got into this because you want to help people and make your communities better. Um, but it, it is very much the idea of if if, if there is one bad cop and a hundred cops who let that bad cop be a bad cop. If you, if there are a hundred officers who see two officers push over a 75 year old man who's bleeding from the head and the rest of them just walk past it, man, I don't know if it's two bad apples. It might be, it might be, but there's something broken with the rest of them too. And and if they are truly good people and they're being stuck inside of a system that doesn't allow them to speak out against their fellow officers, then that system's got to change. Yeah. I do like, believe that they're good people. Like and... I get it. So I like I, I mentioned before I'm a military brat and I grew up in the military and there's this thing in the military where you're not supposed to get into politics. You're not supposed to because then you're you're using your military status to bolster politics and there's a whole bunch of ish around that and people who speak up politically in uniform it, it's just that's a huge no no. I understand that like there's in in, in that context there's the way the system is built out is that you no longer have the ability to speak up. You can't speak your mind as a soldier or as an airman or uh, name put insert service here. If it's, but if it's like that for the police and the way that they're, they're supposed to talk to each other and hold each other accountable as well as for the legal system to be able to hold them accountable. I mean, now we're starting looking like, okay, that's fine. You know what? For the sake of a thought experiment here, we'll concede that maybe there's a couple of really good guys there that otherwise would be able to say something, but they're scared of losing their job or this, that, the other thing. We could dig into whether or not they're good people, but I really – the system is what's breeding these really terrible circumstances, and that's problematic. I mean looking, as we mentioned before, the countless list of cases that we could bring up uh, over just the last handful of years and looking at the number of times that cops have been held accountable for some very – like caught on tape – very clearly wrong, excessive use of force. I mean, they're not being held accountable on a regular basis. Freddie Gray, the officer, was part of a police union was in New York um, and was protected and I believe was fired, but what, there wasn't any charges. Uh, I mean, that's not a new story. That This isn't okay anymore. This is never okay. Yeah. No. Also not okay are the the, the, the couple people in, in this industry who have, have said some really terrible, really terrible things. I think it's been 95% supportive of Black Lives Matter and ending police brutality, but there have been some um, very visible exceptions to that. 
Most notably, uh, right. Mike Fuller from Full Tone Pedals. Oh, uh, you didn't need to even say his name. You oh, I did. Even... Do you want me to bleep it out? No, I mean, I'm he already deleted. I'm not going to bleep any of the other swears. Yeah, no, leave that in because I just need people to know if Nam ever happens again. And if I come across him, I'm clowning that dude till kingdom come. Him and that itchy <laughs> ass soul patch. And oh, I want to see that. Slap that soul patch off that chin. No, it's With just it's, it's one thing that I started noticing as a person that's always wanted to be a part of the industry. And it's one of the things that my parents have always kind of had to teach me as a child is like, you know, people aren't going to really rock with you the way you think that they should, no matter how kind you are. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird being on the side of things. Cause like you meet all these people and you assume they also meet a lot of people. And once you meet a bunch of people, a bunch of different kinds of people, you start to kind of understand that like, you know, Maybe I should not have this kind of hard stance against this certain group of people because they're just mm-hmm. humans. They're just trying to make it. Okay. So whenever you are able to be so wrong, so loud, and then have like a vocal majority of people be like, yeah, it's kind of terrifying. I remember reading that whole post and I was at work fuming about the yeah. phone across the room. I was like, very confused because you have people that use your pedals that would not have given you money if they would have known that you were this much of a jerk. Yeah. And, and I or even like, like he, he didn't have a, he always has had a reputation for being surly, but n- not like this. Not everyone has known that he's used. He's, he's called people. I hate this word. Uh, fags for having problems with his pedals and stuff like that yeah like who does here's my biggest pet peeve about it how do you have the potential to make so much money and screw all of that up just because you your mouth shut yeah just because you can't not be a dick like like the, like not only were the some of his statements racist and full of dog whistles like sorry what is it gang bangers like come on that's not even like sneaky Where's you know what though? You know what though? Honestly, I welcome it. I it, maybe this is a bad take. I don't know. I'd rather the racists just come out, like in this industry, all of our closeted racists, because I know that they're there. Yeah. I know. I'd rather the closeted racists come out and just say I'm a racist, however they want to say it. And you know what? The more heinous, the more clear the message is, and the less yeah. likely we're going to see comment like arguments in the forums, like, "Oh, well, it wasn't that bad. How could you can't like you know what? Whatever." Yeah. I'd rather well, it be like that. What's really concerning is the handful of comments I've seen from folks in the more conservative, moderate sector of the industry in terms of what I know about their personal politics that have made comments like about Mike Fuller, such as um, he made the mistake of getting political. <laughs> it, when is like, pay political? Human rights is not political. And, yeah. and, Black Lives Matter is one. Like Sean, Sean was saying, music is political. Black Lives Matter is not political. (laughs) And the fact that it's been twisted in some sort of 
political nonsense by the conservative folks I know is just mind boggling. It takes a lot of acrobatics to get there mentally. But I mean, that that's the thing is it's the folks that are like, oh, well, I, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But what I, I'm really hearing them say and also seeing them like make little snippets of comments about is they're really just more upset about the property damage and the writing, the looting than they are about the lack of police accountability, the police overreach, excessive use of force, needless lives that have been taken by police, needless lives that have been taken by ex-police If you in the case of Ahmaud Arbery. I mean, they're more upset about the wrong things. And this is where I'm starting to come down to like, okay, yeah, you know what? We could talk about some of these things a different time. You know, if you want to have an actual discussion and like sort out what's going on, why people are rioting, we can do that. But don't, please, dear God, do not use that as your excuse for why A, the Black Lives Matter movement isn't legitimate because that's not true. Uh, and B, why that should overshadow any of any of the brutality, any of the killings, any of the heinous violations of our constitutional First Amendment rights. I mean, it, these are some very what really should be very basic threads of the DNA of this nation that are being deprived from entire communities. Yeah. So for all my constitutionalists out there, you know what? You should be just as upset as everybody else is. Should be madder even. <laughs> and so the people who are just kind of like keeping their mouth shut and kind of keeping their head down because they don't think that the rest of us would like what they have to say about it. One, you're probably right. We're not going to like what you have to say about it because you're a little off base there. You don't, you just don't get it. You need yeah. to shut up and you, maybe I'd, I don't know. Part of me would rather have him just come out and say it. And I knew who knew who not to support. Yeah. I, half, I do love it when they do that. Cause I'm like never buying your product, never booking a gig with your band. Gonna the other it. half is I, you would personally really prefer to any of the above scenarios is just shut up and listen. And if you've got genuine questions and you're trying to understand and learn and get educated, find people who will help you do that. Don't just assume that don't, don't just assume that your one token black friend is willing to sit down and do all the education for you. Yeah. But ask okay, the questions. And the ones. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is uh, that I, I couldn't finish the video. It was bad. Um, you know what? Education is important. Being able to admit that you're wrong is important. Being able to admit that you've got very limited perspective on this, uh, especially for my white guys out there, because uh, either the more you listen, the more you start to understand it, the more you're like, okay, this is starting to make sense. Cause like, even like middle of when I was in college, I was, as I was still learning about a whole lot of this, chances are probably decent. I said, all lives matter and meant it. And that's, bad that was it's, bad it's one of those things i've talked about before on the show is you hear something sometimes it sounds catchy it sounds like it makes sense on the top of it and then the more you look into it the more you realize you're repeating you're repeating absolute steaming hot garbage it's like it, this happens all the time that like people used to say that they thought suicide was selfish and now i think our understanding of why that happens why people die by suicide is more nuanced but people would repeat that so much and people would say, well, oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with gay people, but I don't think you should call it gay mar like marriage or whatever. And this happens all the time in our society that there's 
people say something and they think it they think it sounds right and then the more you look at them the wronger you hear it is and all lives don't matter until black lives matter i mean there's so many aspects of this to dig into and to really understand and as much as I, i i love catchphrases because they're really helpful in for for a guy like me be like okay i can maybe get behind that and as i start to understand it there's so much nuance and even after years and years i'm still finding that i'm learning so much and i really value the the perspectives of uh of my black friends and black folks in the community that are willing to share their thoughts and the uh and, and all of that with me just mm-hmm. so the folks in the industry right now who are like i'm just gonna kind of keep my head down you know what you, that's fine keep your head down but please start listening to someone other than Candace Owens. Start listening to the folks in this community. There's plenty of good folks in this community who I'm sure would be happy to talk to you. And don't just assume with some sort of arrogant, I understand how logic works and logically yada, 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 yada. Because here's the deal with logic is logic is inherently attached to our emotions and our experiences. Logic is informed by our experiences, by our traditions, etc., and you can't just assume that you can operate logic in a vacuum. You just can't. You can't detach yourself from the world and say, "Okay, well, logically, this must be it." Because if you don't understand and don't listen to your black brothers and sisters and their experiences and what it's really like, you're you're never going to see it. Yeah. And what's and the thing about what's the thing about Luke fifteen and All Lives Matter? Uh, the sheep. Yeah. Um, the analogy has been used. Uh, so there's been a couple of biblical analogies that have run around, and I'm going to head this off of the past in saying that few analogies are perfect, and, and most analogies at some point break down. So take this for the point that it's worth, and we're not going to dig too far into the deep <laughs> theological meaning of the passage because, yes, of course it's going to break down at some point. But the the principle still stands is there's the whole like the the 99 sheep and the one and the the parable of Jesus is about how God cares about all of his children. And if one of his children is lost, he will leave the 99 sheep and he will go save the one. It's it in Jesus and a lot of his teachings used imagery of um, a a sheep and a shepherd, partly (laughs) because we are sheep. Um. So, I love so, I love so how that joke so soft. I know. I, I love how and and dumb. That joke love, landed real good. <laughs> I hear Sean back there. <laughs> so the idea is is like, you know, Jesus going after the one sheep and the other ninety sheep are like, wait a minute, all sheep matter. What about us? And it's like, yo, dude, you're missing the point. Like the yeah. one sheep is like not in a good place right now. We got to fix this. Another one I've seen kicked around is the and I think this one when you break down the analogy sounds way worse, but for the particular chunk of the story where it applies, I think is a little bit more powerful is the story of the prodigal son. And, and my best 32nd rundown, the, the parable of the prodigal son is there's this older guy. He's got two kids. One of his kids says, you know what? I wish you would just die. Just give me my inheritance now. And I'm just going to, I don't want to wait for you to pass away for me to get my money. So the father says, you know what? Fine. Here you go. Do what you want with it. Gives him half the, the his inheritance. Dude runs off to go party in Vegas, have a good time. Next thing he knows, he's out of money. He's homeless. He's got just the clothes on his back and doesn't know what to do. Comes groveling back home. 
And then this is where the story starts to get a little bit weird and where I, I think the beauty of the stories that Jesus told starts to come out in terms of kind of breaking down the expectation of the, the listener is the father comes out and says, welcome back. Oh, I've missed you so much. We're going to go kill the fattest cow that we got here. We're going to throw a party, get the finest wine out of the cellar. This is cause for celebration. And everybody's sitting there like, uh, what? So the the way that this applies here is right after that, the other brother who didn't say, hey, dad, I wish you died so I could get your money, was like, hey, why are we celebrating him? I've been faithful to you like this whole time. Like, And so we see the like an idea of like a picture perfect of what that son is supposed to be like. And the dad's like, dude, it's not about you right now. And it, again, and where this starts to break down is you don't want to then use that analogy and say, uh, say that the analogy is arguing that black people are responsible for the predicament that they're in because that's not true. No. So don't take that biblical story and twist it, that twist the analogy into that depth. But the point is the the story very clearly points out that the son was kind of being a dick when he was like, Hey dad, like what, what's going on? Like what, why, why, not, what about me? Why, why did I not get that fat, fat cow? Cause you know, fat cows are great. And I, those I'm are sorry, just we a couple... for a joke to land. <laughs> fat cows are great. Yeah, I mean, that good marbling. Good marbling. Mm. Good yeah. flavor. Fat mm. is flavor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's just a couple of particular biblical examples that have been brought up and shared quite a bit to help kind of explain this idea of all lives matter versus black lives matter. It's like, all right, like, sure. Theoretically, yes, all lives should matter, but you're missing the point right now. There's a whole, whole list of analogies and explanations. Just Google an explanation. If, If those two didn't resonate, Google an explanation. There's no shortage. Yeah. And that's without even getting to the whole, like, that's just where we're trying to set the standard is Black Lives Matter. But, like, why we got to be able to start there, and then we can take two Black Lives are important. Black Lives are beautiful. Black Lives are to be cherished. I mean, we're just starting with trying to get that standard of Black, like, we're really just arguing about whether or not they matter. Like, come on. Yeah. That, that shouldn't be our starting place for this argument. No, but it seems to be sometimes. But uh, we have been talking for quite a while, so um, I think there's a lot to talk about in general. Uh, I wish that we could talk about this more, um, and I really think that we, I don't know, it's it's, it's a little late, and I, and I think I, it's, it's a lot of I'm going to stop talking. Yeah. Cool. Sean, I just said a whole lot of stuff. Feel free to tell me off for anything I said. Feel free to add on to anything I said. Feel free to tell me that I'm an absolute walnut. But I, I want to hear more of your thoughts on this before we, we call it an episode. And I, again, I've, I'm doing the typical white thing of just talking, talking, talking. So my apologies on that. No, you're fine. I think uh, what I'm going to say is... Uh... Just to the audience right now, um, just a few things I would look out for. Um, some of your black friends are straight up tired. Um, please don't lean on them to be like, oh, hey, can you teach me about this? What am I doing wrong? Um, this or the other. Um, 
Another thing I can say is, please, if someone calls you out, don't get... It's hard not to get offended whenever someone tells you you're wrong and how wrong you are. I get it. It's kind of like getting a test back and seeing a bunch of red marks all over your paper and you're looking at your teacher like, what in the world is this? (laughs) So I get it. But you're also talking to someone that feels like... They fall into three categories. They either feel like the next day is going to be the last or the next hour could be their last or they're friends of people who feel like the hour could be their last. And they're also sick of you being obtuse. So be mindful of that. Um, also straight up, like if you're in the guitar community and you have played any kind of shuffle, any kind of anything, and you are not saying black lives matter, there is something seriously wrong with how you think. If you want to discuss it at some point, I would love to, you know, flood flood my DMs, please. But no, if I see you in public, I'm going to want the smoke. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but seriously, like, um, we're just at a point where even myself have been way too patient. Like, enough's enough. And there's no there's no more standing in the middle and i I don't know what else outside of that that i can say that i haven't probably already said to people in public um please stay safe uh especially if you're black please make sure that your mental health is intact please make sure you're okay before anyone else is okay like and that's that goes for anyone going to the protest as well also just uh love one another and we're gonna get through this it's gonna be a pain but we're gonna get through this yeah i mean we are on i think the the right side and i i i i hope we're unstoppable you know um i it has been one last thing I do want to say, and I think Andrew was kind of getting at this earlier about how even if all of the quote unquote agitators were part of the protest, like the other ways people have been protesting Black Lives Matter and to protest against police brutality has not been working. Every every way black people have tried to protest, white people have said that's not the right way to protest. Uh, which is bonkers and frustrating. And I think it was inevitable that it it would lead to, to a lot of feelings, a lot of anger, but um, go ahead. Well, it's like I said, a few days ago, it's kind of like anyone who's been bullied as a kid usually has the same experience. You know, you go do all the things you're supposed to do. You go talk to the principal, you talk to your parents, your parents really can't do anything short of fighting the kid themselves and that's very problematic yeah um oh yeah and so there's only so many things you can do before you just say enough is enough and just take care of the bully yourself so this is and um andrew you said something about things getting twisted and i want to make this perfectly clear um if you see a person of color and they're at a point where they're, or sorry, ah. if they're at a point, I where might believe that one. <laughs> if, they're, if they're at a point where they're like, 
I can't take this anymore. You see them swashing windows. That's perfectly fine. Like, how how else do you tell someone to act when they feel like they could be gone tomorrow? Yeah. And it and again on top of that, it's going to be your fault. You're gone tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, just. I think the closest white men can come to imagining what it's like to be um, black or a woman is I've, I've, I've used this analogy in therapy before Uh, being a bicyclist and riding a bicycle. I mean, you know that not every car is going to hit you or is a danger to you, but every car could have the capacity to slam into you and kill you. Um, You can do everything right. And it doesn't matter. Uh, And then this is more of, Actually, this works pretty well for both. If you do get hit, the first question people ask is, what were you wearing? Yeah. I didn't even think about that for bicyclists. That's terrifying. Yeah, it can be. It's worth it, though. (laughs) Uh, And it's also a choice that you make, riding a bicycle. You don't choose to be black. You don't choose to be a woman. Uh, That's just who you are. And it's not a uniform that you can take on or off. And it's just a part of, of your existence um, forever. And uh, listen, listen, women have their own reasons. I, I personally feel to, to not trust the, the police. There's been too many botched cases of sexual assault and, you know, 40% of police officers, you know, the rest. Um, it's nothing compared to, to, to what, what black people have to deal with um, on, on a term on terms of, of violence and fearing for your life. All right. Around the people who should be protecting you. And that's just sad. On sad notes. Is there anything else you wanted to shout Sean before? And we should probably just have you back on the podcast sometime because this has been fun. Yeah. Um, want to shout out the guys at, um, Sonic Swade. Seriously. Um, uh, to be completely honest, the fact that I'll put it this way: if you would have told a kid like myself back in twenty, at twenty one, twenty two, it's like, hey, you're somehow going to get to a point where you're going to be making gear, and the people you're going to work with, you're going to actually enjoy. So shout out to them. Um, uh, just shout out to the people who've been going out to the protests, being you know vocal being active in terms of that i appreciate y'all um i wanted to just say thanks to recovery effects you guys are so sweet can't wait for you to meet y'all personally and not creep on y'all from like half mile away <laughs> they have cool hats and i want to thank y'all for having me on uh, i really appreciate it yeah thank you for doing this really appreciate it um so if you're listening uh don't give to our patreon don't buy our merch. Uh, find some some good causes uh, locally, ideally, to donate to to support the Black Lives Matter cause. Um, that I think that's the best way uh, I can imagine spending money right now. Um, yeah, Andrew, any, anything else from you, bud? I've got. I, I could go on. I could. We didn't even get to. My thoughts on the president and his use of the Bible as a prop and absolutely how heinous that is from a Christian perspective. It was Um, upside down too, wasn't it? Yes. It was. Is he the Antichrist? Because I wonder. 
that's not how revelation works. <laughs> oh, the way actually, the way Andrew, I want to yeah. get your thoughts on that one day. Um, I've got <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I've got some hot takes on Trump and the apocalypse. So, all right, let yes, we'll, we'll chat. Um, <laughs> that is, I honestly holding the Bible upside down. I've never been told like don't do that. I, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, shouldn't. people are just, that, that's one of those, like, just the icing on the cake kind of deals. I'm yeah. more concerned about, uh, one, not contacting the church, asking for permission, the tear gassing of protesters to get there, the fact that you can hear the tear gas going off in the background of the conference, uh, and the fact that he's holding a book that he's clearly never read because he doesn't have, he doesn't know how to, he was quoted at uh, pro, uh journalist asked, is that your Bible? And he said, it's a Bible very snarkily. Yeah. In the past, he's mispronounced the, the uh, names of some of the books as uh, Americans have always pronounced them. It's not like, a, Oh, maybe he just learned how to read the Bible somewhere in like, no, he hasn't read the Bible. Let's be honest. Uh, he's using it as a prop. It, he can't name his favorite verse. Yeah. I mean, uh, mine would be Matthew's chapter five through six, which for all of the people who still have an issue with Black Lives Matter need to go read right now. Uh, and a friendly like reminder that Matthew chapter 25 talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats and the way that a lot of the quote unquote Christians in my timeline are looking right now. I'm seeing a lot of folks that Jesus is going to be like, ah, you go, you're going to hell. I didn't know you. <laughs> people, uh, I am reaching my own boiling point of the absolute misrepresentation of Christ in the way of politics and basic human rights. I, screw the constitution, read your flipping Bible and tell me that you have any sort of justification for what's going on right now. Well, on that note, is that a note where I can say that on that note? Yeah. You asked if there's anything else and I just started getting riled up about some, uh, a re related subject. And uh, it's probably best that I stop there before I start naming names. On that note, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Thanks so much, Sean, for, for joining us. Uh, until next time, I'm Emily. I'm Andrew. That's Sean. And this is Michelle. Goodbye. Yeah,